your mind, sir. This climbing is murder on my hose. We can't use any of this, Sergeant. It's all yours now. Mule fritters! work in the dark there's no limelight without an audience a patient means nothing to you you just don't care what about the two pigs i killed the pigs because they were going to squeal and the canary he was going to sing Hey, MASH fans, it's time for another episode of the MASH 4077th podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Kenny, and joining me is my buddy, Simon. Gentlemen. Today we're discussing Season 6, Episode 7, The Light That Failed. It's the 129th episode overall, directed by Charles Dubin, written by Burt Polunsky, originally aired on October 25th, 1977, and the production code is Y108. If it gets any darker in here, we won't have to go to your place. Ah, now this one's going. Clinger, the light bulb on the double. If I can find my way out of here, sir. Ouch. Gel foam. Easy on the gel foam, troops. We're running low. We're running low on everything but customers. Colonel, did those buffoons at headquarters give you any reason why the supplies are late? Yes, they said there's a war on. There is. I can't see it. I think they should call it on a guy of darkness. Oh, well, that's subtracting some light from the subject. Somebody must have shut the refrigerator door. These are the most deplorable conditions I have ever seen. I would operate in Braille if my fingers weren't frozen. Sorry, Charles. We're all out of fur-lined rubber gloves. Not to mention the chinchilla shorts. The pity we are not out of juvenile prattle. Sorry, I got carried away. I like to get carried away to someplace warm. Gatlin, sir. Ow! Klinger, in this light, you look just like Boris Karloff's sister. Thank you, sir. Where'd you get the bulb, Klinger? From one of the tents, Colonel. Good man. Somebody will just have to skip riding home tonight. Hope Mrs. Potter doesn't mind. Oh, swell. Whatever happened to rank has its privilege. It went out with the bulb, sir. Four O silk. We're out. Three O silk. Out. But what have you got? Klinger's sewing kit. All right, let me have some thread. Anything in white, hold the sequence. And the plot summary for this episode. It is the dead of winter, and the 4077th is out of everything. Medicine, bandages, light bulbs, gel foam, and general supplies. A supply truck delivers mosquito netting and an ice cream churn. BJ gets a book, a mystery novel. Everyone is so bored, he rips it from the binding chapter by chapter so everyone can read along. But the final page of the whodunit is missing. Winchester nearly kills a patient with cure as it was too dark to read the label. BJ saves the patient and Hawkeye calls Winchester to the carpet. A new truck brings the supplies they need, except for the big answer to their big mystery. Sorry, sir, the lab needs a bulb in a hurry. Just a moment, Klinger. Haven't I exhausted my quota of sacrifices for the day? Take his bulb. Oh, of course. We wouldn't want to inconvenience you. After all, a man of your delicate sensibilities can't be expected to function under these deplorable conditions. Please, take this one. Just a moment, Klinger. Make up your mind, sir. This climbing is murder on my hose. Pierce, I hope you are not suggesting for a moment that you're a better doctor than I am under deplorable conditions. No, just that your attitude is deplorable under any conditions. If that is a gantlet you have just thrown down, I take it up with relish. One gantlet with relish. Hold the mustard and onions. Klinger, take my bulb. Do I hear a rebuttal? Klinger, he's a captain. I'm a major. That's an order. 
I'm a corporal. This is a ladder. And that's the ball. All right. For guest stars, we start off with Enid Kent, who returns as Nurse Bigelow. And Philip Baker Hall as Sergeant Hacker. Philip has an impressive 175 credits to his name, mainly through TV roles. We have Gary Irwin, who played Corporal Dobson. Only two credits for Gary, this being his first acting role. And Kelly Nakahari is, of course, back as Lieutenant Kelly Yamato. And then we have Sal Vescuo, who returns as the PA announcer, in voice only. Finally! I beg your pardon? It took you six minutes and three decks of cards to read that page. Two pages. One on this side, one on that side. That still comes out to 78 cards a page. Nobody reads that slowly. I'm not reading. I'm savoring. Savor faster. I'm desperate. I trade my soul for a laundry list. Go over to the mess tent. Read the alphabet soup. How would you like a club in the mouth? Relax, relax, will you? I'll be finished with this uh, Tuesday latest. Tuesday? Wednesday? Look, I'm sitting here reading your shoe size and not believing it, I might add. I'll never make it till Tuesday. Hanukkah, what page are you on? 21. 21? At the rate you read, the murderer would have escaped to Venezuela by now. Give him a break. It doesn't have pictures. I could let Charles read it first, you know. Beach, I'm begging you. Here. Chapter one. <laughs> Reading. <laughs> this just might be better than sex. It certainly takes longer around here. How would you know? Charles, please, I'm savoring. Here, read a shoe. Thank you. A sleepy spaniel ambled across the lawn past the gardener, dozing on his rake. <laughs> this is so exciting. All right, let's go ahead and discuss this episode. Why don't you start us off, Meds? You know, this is this is a weird episode, this one, because it, there's not a lot that actually happens at uh-huh. all throughout the whole of the episode. In fact, my notes, uh, I just have two lines on the moat. <laughs> one, the last page is missing, uh, and I, I know your motive, uh, what was his. Um, so there's not an awful lot irritatingly to say for our poor listeners, but it's, it's you know, it's a really enjoyable episode. I quite like the fact that they've all got this, this one goal about finding out who the mystery is, and then... When the when the, the page is gone, and they actually get in touch with the author to find out who who did the the, you know, mm-hmm. the murder and stuff, the fact they don't agree with it, and the fact they're trying to then figure out exactly you know what was the cause, and this goes on throughout the whole of it, especially at the end, the end scenes where they're still talking about it. Yeah, um, it's a simple, it's a really simple episode. You know, this is like one of those um, you know Doctor Light episodes where there's you know hardly anything happened, yet it's really enjoyable. Uh, yeah. I've seen this one quite a few times. Um, I don't know why. I have no idea why because I, I always tend to watch Mash in in order for some reason. Uh, but this this seems to stick out as something that I, I whether it's always on clips or something I don't know. Um, it's definitely a BJ heavy episode, which is no bad thing. Always good to see Mike Farber coming in. Um, yeah, I, I really quite like it. It's it's a, it's a nice, warm, simple episode, non-taxing. You know what I mean? It's, it's a non-taxing episode, which there is a lot of taxing episodes in this because Alder's got his teeth in everything. Uh, as, as this one is. <laughs> quite a you know quite a nice kind of like chill episode no i totally agree with you i think that's why i liked it so much is because it was very simple yeah it was one you can just sit back enjoy you don't need to focus on it constantly you can go you know it can just be on in the background you can just enjoy um just enjoy the episode without really getting too involved with it i love the idea about splitting the book up yeah i you know i love the fact that they like you know chapter by chapter and then it's like page by page and everybody i mean i don't know i'm too anal and to i would need to have it all organized it would drive me crazy because if someone lost a page i would be totally freaked out 
Yeah. But I love the idea that they're all so bored and they're all frozen and cold and there's no supplies, you know, and, and you know, they have to share this one book amongst them all. Uh, I did thought I did think it was kind of weird that, you know, how many people can just pick up a phone and call an author of a book? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, I would know the author's name, but to actually call, I guess it was different back then. We, I guess, I don't even know if we have operators still. Uh, in I these days, you do in the army kind of thing, I guess. When you, I would, you know, yeah, you know? yeah, maybe because they were in military, they, they were able to do that. But or back in the fifties, you could do that. Yeah, but I just thought that was kind of odd. I'm like, she seemed like a you know fairly well known author. If she's in her 90s, uh, and she's been writing well, for a while. I don't know. We we did it with Mark Favell. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that just that kind of threw me off a little bit. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, Winchester reading to Houlihan. And yet, Randolph was her equal, and a raging stallion. To call him merely virile would be to damn with faint praise. Jessica remembered that exciting interlude in his garden, when he'd suddenly appeared through the hedge. Wench! You make my blood boil, he whispered, he whispered passionately. Ever since I first laid eyes on your silken limbs and your ripe golden bosom, I vowed to make you mine. Jessica knew in her woman's heart that if it weren't for Lord Cheever's cold-blooded murder, she would at this very moment be standing before the panting Randolph, her flimsy black negligee in tatters, her nakedness a golden-tinted paradise illuminated only by flickering candlelight. <laughs> it's just amazing how much heat one of those things can give off. Yes, <laughs> Rendering unto this towering Caesar of the maiden's boudoir that which is rightfully Caesar's. Major. In her mind's eye, Jessica saw him aflame with passion. Major. Unable to bridle his all-consuming lust, he moved toward her nearer and nearer. Major, stop! What? I'll read the rest myself. But I'm not finished. Oh, yes, you are. But, Major, she's unbridled. I think you'd better get dressed and leave. Dressed? Your scarf, Major. And then getting all hot and heavy. Again, that's a, a little bit of that little attraction between those two, which thankfully they they let go of in future yeah. episodes. And then, you know, with the whole Winchester, I liked... It's hard to... Because when, I don't, if he couldn't read the label properly, why would he administer something to a patient? Yeah, it's also you as know, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a fault as well. It's a slight continuity fault because it's always the nurses who are the ones who are admin the, uh, well, but, the medication. But it wasn't really a continuity because he was trying to get the nurse's attention. And she was busy with the patient. She's oh, like, yeah, I'll cool. be there. And the guy was in so much pain, he's like, well, I'll just do it myself. Hmm. So I understand that. And I like that aspect of it, that he was so caring for this patient. Like, my patient needs something now. Yeah. And the nurse couldn't get to it. He's like, I'll just do it myself. But the fact that he picks it up, looks at it, and then, you know, I don't know if he just looked at the color of it and thought maybe it was morphine. Could and then, been. yeah, you know, he could, he could have just misread the, um, you know, the how much to put in the vial. Because, you know, two mil yeah. can look like 20 mil. Yeah, it's just, it's, but his excuse of I couldn't see because it was dark. I'm like, well, then if it was too dark, then you don't put it in the patient. Yeah, I think that just goes to show how Charles, Charles can be quite ignorant of his own shortcomings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously, because they show this episode where he's like, it's not my, it's all about him. It's, you know, the, it was too dark. Or he couldn't do this or he couldn't do that. It wasn't, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And I, as well, I don't know, I don't know if you think as well, but you don't really kind of believe that he's still admitting his, his, his failure at the end. 
No, he does it in a roundabout Roundabout kind of way. You know, he does it in the Charles way. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, you see this more as his character grows, but it's very in character with him. Yeah. You know, and you do never get that that true apology like he's really heartfelt like almost killed somebody you know yeah because it's more about he's more admitting that somebody else is his right and not yes. admitting he's wrong wrong yes yeah 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 um i it kind of bummed me out that we never got the answer to who the killer was we don't I quite have... like that. I really? Like, yeah. Oh, I see, like I, I like. Com- I'm a completist. I like everything in a nice bow at the end. <laughs> no, so, I like. I like that. I like the fact that we're part of the. We're part of them, and yeah. we don't know. We kind yeah. of are actually in on it, and we don't know. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, it, it, yeah. I mean, it didn't deter me from liking this episode. No. I gave it eight out of ten. So I mean, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I gave um, it eight out of ten as well. Yeah. Um, I love the conversation between Hawkeye and Winchester towards the end when he was mm. kind of apologizing. Not one witticism about the criminal returning to the scene of the crime. <laughs> not that, uh, not that you wouldn't be somewhat justified. Look, I admit that what I did to that boy is totally inexcusable. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, perhaps not. Uh, totally. Uh, after all, I had been in surgery for 14 straight hours, mm-hmm. and it was dark in there. But is that any excuse for misreading a label? I said, is that any excuse for misreading a label? Uh, not really. Look, if that man had died, his blood would be on my hands. You might at least acknowledge that it takes a courageous man to admit it when he's wrong. You might at least say something. What do you want from me? At the moment, simple acknowledgement. Look, Winchester, if you want to vacuum your conscience, why don't you go see Father Mulcahy? He's offering absolution right around the corner. Why are you so unfeeling about my feelings? I don't give a damn about your feelings. A man almost dies, and all you can think about is how it affects you. Only you. just a minute. You want to know why you can't work in the dark? There's no limelight. Without an audience, a patient means nothing to you. You just don't care. Care enough to be brilliant at what I do. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. Technically, you're among the best around. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. But if I were hurt, I'd want Honeycutter Potter to work on me. But if you say I'm that good... They'd bust a gut to save a life. You wouldn't even work up a good sweat. I was sweating when I saved that boy's life with my scalpel. You didn't start to sweat until after you'd used the hypodermic. Envy, isn't it, Pierce? (laughs) Envy. (laughs) It's envy. Now I saw it at the beginning. You envy my skill, my expertise. All I envy is your chutzpah. Don't you spit at me. You sanctimonious backbait. That's enough. Do you deny calling me a superior surgeon? Not quite. I called you a superior sturgeon. You're the biggest lox in Korea. And then, of course, with, with uh, I have here, Mad Hawkeye was hilarious. <laughs> so his little thing he did at the end. All right, I confess. I did it, and I'm glad. I hated Sir Winslow. I hated them all. I don't even remember their names, but I hated them anyway. What about the two pigs? I killed the pigs because they were going to squeal. And the canary? He was going to sing. He's mad, you know. Yes, mad, 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 mad. <laughs> yeah, you want to sign this, sir? Yes, yeah, sure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, where was I? Ah, yes, mad. I got Sir Winslow first, and now you're next. And I'm going to gnash on your neck, strangle your lips, chew on your ears, and then we'll have some fun. Yeah, he just, Hawkeye is just hilarious. He's so over the top sometimes. But um, yeah, I mean, overall, I enjoyed the episode. It, it was, you know, it was. It, I mean, you said it was more of a BJ episode. I felt it was more of a, a Winchester episode because yeah, of the whole I, I think it's because the, the center point is the book. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the book runs yeah. from beginning to end. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And what, I mean, the living conditions out there just had to have been horrible. Oh, yeah. Those, yeah. I mean, I, I just – another thing that bothered me is like the government sending them an ice cream maker and salt <laughs> and stuff for and an ice cream in the middle of winter. Why is it even being shipped somewhere? Yeah, so, and when do you ever actually see them eating ice cream in the summer? Never. Oh, no, never. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me on why they would even ship be shipping yeah. that during winter. Mosquito mosquito nets as well, which I suppose yeah. you can always store. So I mean, that's no bad thing, I guess. I know, but still, you know, I don't know. That that's just you know our stupid government, I guess. But um, anyways, yeah. it was it, it was a good episode. How are you feeling? Alive, they tell me. Thanks to you. My press agent gets 10% of all of this. What military man has brought you here? I was out on patrol. On the way back to my company, I found another man's footprints in the snow. That's good, you know. You walk in his tracks and you're safe from the mines. And the footprints stopped. Stopped? What do you mean? Where the snow turned to slush. I stood there a while in his last clear step. I was afraid to move. But it was so cold that anything had to be better than standing there freezing to death. I was wrong. I took one, maybe two steps. That was it. Better get some sleep. Thanks, Doc. All right, let's move on to some behind the scenes. I had a really hard time finding some behind the scenes for this episode, Uh. but I did find a few. Uh, The title comes from the novel The Light That Failed by Rudyard Kipling, published in 1890. Charles nearly kills a patient when he mistakes Cure for morphine in post-op. Now, Cure was never approved for use in Korea, so it should not be there in the first place. And even if it was there, Cure is a paralytic used in conjunction with anaesthetics. It has no use in post-op. Nice. Miss mm. Porterfield? She's alive. Miss um, Porterfield, my name is B.J. Honeycutt. I'm a doctor serving with the U.S. Army in Korea. No, no, I've never met Dr. Sun Yat-sen. Well, because he's Chinese, and he died over 30 years ago. Yes, ma'am, it's a tragedy. Oh, Miss Por- No, I, uh, I wouldn't know where to send flowers. She's not getting any younger. Don't keep us in suspenders. Ask her who did it. Miss Porterfield, we've all been enjoying your book, The Rooster Crowed at Midnight, very much. Who's the murderer? Uh, yeah, yes, ma'am, your book, The Rooster Crow to Midnight, but our copy of the book is missing the last page, and we were wondering if you'd pass on the solution to us. Don't say pass on. Quiet. The American dentist? Oh, right. Hallelujah. Ma'am, there's no American dentist in the book. Oh, not so right. Yes, I'm sure of it. This one takes place at Huntley Manor, remember? Eleven people are murdered, starting with old man Cheevers? Yes, 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 that's the one. The Rooster Crow to Midnight, right. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Really? Why? Oh, oh. Really? Who is it? Why? Why'd he do it? Come on. Uh Uh-huh. I get... Oh, that's terrific. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Miss Porterfield. It's been terrific. Uh, No, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. I never met Pearl Buck either. Thank you, Miss Porterfield. Listen, you take care of yourself. Yeah, please. Bye. Oh, oh, oh. Mr. Cheever's stepson, Avery Updike. I knew he wasn't the loving offspring he pretended to be. You're right, sir. His eyes were too close together. That's a good motive. It was the will. He was going to eliminate everyone that stood between him and the inheritance. How was he going to kill 35 people? Easy. Send him to Korea. Okay, we got that settled. Now, if you can find your way to the door, scram. And Honeycutt, 
Next time you get a book, rip out all the pages. <laughs> all right, you can find MASH 4077 all over the internet. You can find us at Facebook, www.facebook.com slash MASH 4077 podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at MASH 4077 podcast. And you can follow me at Hawkeye Meds. You can find me, Kenny, at Geeky Fanboy. And we have a website, and you can find that at www.mash4077podcast.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast and want to make a donation, it would be much appreciated. You can either go to our main website, and there is a PayPal button, or you can go to patreon.com slash geekyfanboy. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash geekyfanboy, and you can become a monthly donator to our podcast. And remember, you can follow us on iTunes, direct download, or of course, from Stitcher Radio. Just search for MASH 4077 Podcast. Alright, so I think we both agree it was a good episode. Yeah, Probably better yeah. than the previous two that we had watched. On par. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a nice, simple episode for once. And yeah. those are nice to have every once in a while. Yeah, I like them. Cool. Alright, well, I'm Kenny. I'm Simon. And we'll be seeing you. Would you like me to finish that, sir? Thank you. No, I can, I can manage. How's that feel? Well, it's still in one piece. Uh, Pierce. Uh-huh. Pierce, I've been, I've been thinking about what, uh, what you said yesterday, and, uh, and I must agree. You do have a point. Perhaps I am more involved with my own problems than with those of my patients, but I assure you, from here on out, they will receive my constant and undivided attention. Charles, you've convinced me. You certainly are attached to your patients. You think you can find your way back? Hmm. Nurse, would you take care of this, please? <laughs> that was the scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Alienation, the newcomers podcast, is a fan cast devoted to the groundbreaking but short-lived TV series Alienation. This series tackles social issues like racism, bigotry, and intolerance with an alien twist. Each month, we will bring you a podcast dedicated to a single episode. The host will give you their thoughts on the episode, as well as some little-known behind-the-scenes information. So please subscribe to Alienation, the newcomer's podcast on iTunes, or visit our website at alienationpodcast.com. Mash fans. Now, as some of you know, myself and Kenny have our own individual podcasts, and my podcast is called Waffle On Podcast, and we waffle on about classic films and television programs from around the world, so if that's your cup of tea or martini, then why don't you follow us over on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or, of course, from Podbean. You can find us at waffleon.podbean.com, and we would be honoured if you would join us. MASH 4077 Podcast is a Geeky Fanboy production and has a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, works 3.0 United States license. All rights reserved.
Written by Bert. I've never messed up on that guy's name before. Winchester nearly kills a patient with. Hmm. Cuba. Cuba. <laughs> okay. And we have Sal Viscuo. Viscu. This. Ah. This. Was it Viscuso? Yeah. This. Viscuso. All right. And then we have Sal Vic- Oh. Ah. That's okay. I need some bloopers. <laughs> uh, Charlie, Char- Charlie, <laughs> Charlie, he'll, he'll kill me. you for that. <laughs> <coughs> oh, look at me getting all romantic with Charlie. <laughs>